Yes, welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I am Jamie Finch-Penninger and I'm lucky enough to be joined by uh, the new NRS series leader, Pat Shaw of Avanti Ice Away Sports. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, congrats, and, uh, Pat. Didn't know you were leading. And that voice is, of course, uh, Joe Hogan from uh, uh, Rushed Women Cycling. Hey, how you going? (laughs) Yeah, good. Um, Well, I I trust both of you enjoyed uh, the San Marinda Tour of King Valley the the other weekend. It was, yeah, good fun to be down there and taking in the racing. It was a really enjoyable series of events, I thought. I mean, pity that the, the crit in... Wangaratta was cancelled on the first day, but apart from that, the the racing was good fun, and I think everyone had a good time. I think yeah, the, it was disappointing. The crit was um, called off, but it was also I think it was a smart decision in the end. Um, everyone knows that it doesn't matter how bad the weather is or how bad the courses are, I'll have a go. But I believe that with the 130 um, men to go around that circuit in the wet, it wasn't going to be safe. I don't know really how the women felt for their field size, how safe it would be. But um, I think it would have also damaged the race on the GC front because um, a strong team would just line that out very quickly, uh, which would mean a lot of riders would get lapped on that shorter circuit. And I think it was just, um, it ended up making a far more interesting race over the, the next two stages. So I think, we can all say, you know, oh, you know, it didn't rain that much. But I think it's better in hindsight to have everyone healthy and fit to go out there and race the next two days than to have um, the circuit shut down possibly and call off events anyways because of rider crashing. Yeah. Yeah. In any event, I mean, the NRS, NRS events run on a tight budget, so you need to make these decisions a bit earlier than, than you would in, you know, optimal situations. Um, yeah. Do you, do you think it changed the race at all, Joe? Because... Those bonus seconds on the line um, at the sprints and at the finish would have really shook, shaken up the GC a bit there. Yeah, I think it, it definitely might have played out. The, the women's race might have played out differently if we had done that criterion. Um, but having gone back to the Battle on the Border where our race did get cancelled for weather conditions as well, but we didn't find out until like an hour before the race. And it it meant logistically it was really hard for teams, particularly because it was in... Um, you know, Queensland and we didn't find out and that was the last day. So effectively, you know, travel and everything for teams could have could have occurred even the day before. So I think they made a smart decision actually calling it early. Um, and, yeah, safety, Roddy's safety is, is paramount in these situations. So I think they made the right decision. And it was still a really interesting weekend of racing and there was definitely lots more action to come after that, that first stage. Yeah, well, the situation was a bit different in Battle of the Border, wasn't it? I mean, most of the roads were actually underwater for those uh, for that race. So you, you would yeah. have thought they could have made the decision a bit earlier there. But, um, yeah, it, well, just one of those circumstances. Maybe they can um, look at that next year, yeah. Joe, we haven't touched base with you yet. I mean, we, how, how has it been back in Australia after uh, four years, was it, um, on the professional circuit round? Yeah, um, yeah, about four and a half. The first year I spent with the national team when I had the Amy Gillett scholarship and I was racing in Italy. Um, so I only got the call up from the national team to race in Spain. But, yeah, and then the, the four years after that I was out racing professional circuit. Um yeah, it's definitely different being racing back in Australia and I've actually never done King Valley before and there was a significant amount of dirt tracks on that um, 
third, well, it's effectively the third stage, but it's the second that we actually raced. Um, and to be honest, I thought it was one of the hardest NRS races that we've actually competed in, well, I've ever done. So, and having, yeah, previous to me going overseas, I'd raced the national series um, and, yeah, actually took it out the year before I went overseas. So, yeah, it's definitely means that um, Australian cycling and women's cycling and the men's racing is getting harder, which is, is great for the level that uh, we have in Australia and hopefully continues to grow next year and beyond. Yeah, how much has it changed in those um, four or five years um, for you being going away and racing overseas with those, you know, in professional peloton and coming back and seeing how much it's changed since then? Yeah, I think it's, it's it, yeah, like I said, it's really growing and the depth and development's happening. I think hopefully, you know, there wasn't so many races on the NRS calendar and I'm hoping that it's not going to continue to decrease next year. Um, obviously it costs a lot of money for teams to, to come together for transport and um, accommodation um, to maybe pay for the riders' bikes and, you know, I'm not sure what it's like in the men's NRS, Pat, but I'm sure a lot of the women aren't getting paid so they're still working and jobs and having to kind of navigate the time off, which I've had to do this year as well. But, um, yeah, hopefully with the support and people can see the value in supporting a, an NRS team and it continues to grow. Amen to that. Uh, Pat, got anything you want to throw in there? Oh, yeah, it's definitely <clears throat> expensive. It doesn't matter if it's a women's team, a men's team, a juniors team. Um, it costs a lot of money to go to events, and especially when they're called off. Um, it does put a bit of a hindrance on programs because, you know, you set out your year to develop your riders over a certain amount of races and then you have to find other races or training camps to develop them. So from our perspective, when events are cancelled, it's not good either. But um, I can uh, also um, confirm that not many riders are paid any money at all in the NRS men's circuit and of what are, it's not a great deal um, um, to which I think most people, if they aren't working, probably should be. Um, but I definitely am working 30 hours a week back home as well as um, the training and racing that goes on. It's the only way to stay viable here. But um, I think for the Tour of King Valley organisers um, and sponsors, they did a terrific job on the weekend. It was a beautiful event. Yeah, you can probably put a plug in there as well for your, for your cycling centre there as well, Pat, if you wanted to. Oh, yeah. We've got Shaw Cycling Centre in Ballarat, obviously. But most people know it, so <laughs> don't really need to do the shameless plug. <laughs> You never know. One person might go, oh, I live in Ballarat. Yeah, of course. What, what is it? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and Joe, are you still running your um, healthy cyclist page? I mean, I'm... Um, I've kind of backed off social media a little bit, to be honest. I, I'm actually working for a medical device company, so I've got a nursing background and I've gone into medical sales and I just find it hard to keep up these days with trying to balance life and then training and, and being on social media. Obviously, when I was riding and racing overseas, I had a little bit more time on my hands. Um, but, yeah, these days I do the odd posts, particularly to Instagram. But, yeah, the Healthy Cyclist Facebook page is, is lacking a bit of content these days, but that's okay. We'll take it, we'll take it into a break and then we'll come back with uh, Two King Valley. Okay, and we're back uh, discussing Tour of King Valley. Um, started off with the first stage, the short nine-kilometre TT there, and 
Um, actually, the winners of that ended up winning the whole the whole tour with Joe Cooper taking the win in the men's and Leeson Hawkins in the women's. And it, it was a bit of, a bit disappointing, I suppose, that the that the winner of the TT um, that the TT was such a decisive stage. But especially in the women's, it was a an exciting battle after that, regardless. Um, and I think I think a worthy winner was found in both circumstances. Uh, Pat, uh, that TT wasn't wasn't easy either with the wind as it was, um, going tailwind on the way out and then headwind on the way back, and a lot of riders not struggled, but they maybe didn't put out their optimum um, in that in those conditions. Oh, well, firstly, well done. You picked uh, Leeson Hawkins to win last week on the show. Um, didn't go unnoticed. It was a quality pick too because. We didn't really know a lot about her, um, but what a sensational ride. So well done to, to Leeson for winning the women's. Um, yeah, it was, it's always a difficult um, when you've got such strong wins in a time trial because you've got to know how much energy to expend in the easier section, which obviously was the, the tailwind, and then how much to, to keep to come home, especially when it's longer on the way out and shorter coming back. Um, as the start and finish lines were separated, it also makes it more difficult again. So uh, you're usually using teammates that have gone before you to sort of say, no, you can go pretty hard on the way out and, and different things. But, you know, Joe Cooper can sit over 60 k's an hour in a tailwind. Um, I cannot do that. So I just had to try and do the best time I could. And I think most guys did pretty good time trials. I think um, you just saw a guy that was a level above in that, discipline in those conditions and that's um, especially on a road bike so um, although it was very difficult time trial you met a guy that's probably perfect in those conditions it couldn't have been better for Joe Cooper. Yeah and it was Alex Porter coming in second there from Sassy and Liam McGinnis uh, from N-Swiss in third. Um, Joe in the women's how did you how did you see that one um, going? Yeah I to be honest, I knew Leeson was quite a good time trialist, but I was a little bit surprised that she won it quite convincingly. Um, I was expecting maybe a couple of other girls to be closer to, to her in, in the standings, but, yeah, she had an amazing ride. And for myself, being a quite a tall, bigger girl, and Leeson as well, she managed to get in quite an aero position and did really well. So she had yeah, super strong effort there. Um yeah, it, de it definitely was an easy time trial, like Pat said, but I think knowing where to expend your energy and, and Leeson did a really good job. Okay, and uh, it was Kate Perry, um, of course, former NRS series leader there, coming in second from Specialised, and in third it was Tessa Fabry from High Five. And then on to the second or third stage, depending on how you look at it, the Strada Nero stage. And, yeah, in the men's, it was, it was an interesting one. It... it looked like it was going to split up for a long time and it, and it did in a sense because um, about half the peloton was out the back um, by the finish but those groups up the front um, stayed together and yeah rolled into the finish and it was a member of the podcast who who won the won the stage in Pat Shaw <laughs> coming around the, come around the final corner in third but yeah managing to take the win yeah, well, um, I always earmarked it as a day that I would like to win. I didn't know so much that it would be that way leading into the tour, but um, it was one of those days where I just um, had very good condition all day. Um, I think I was very uh, lucky in some circumstances because I didn't have any punches or setbacks for the entire day. 
Um, but I represented front group um, all the time and had a few things that made me have to step up to the plate because Joe Cooper had had mishaps with two punches, drop bidden. Um, but then also just felt so much pressure to produce something for the boys that had ridden basically the last 30 k's into a headwind all the way to the finish. Um, but yeah, I got a bit lucky as well as you do when you win. Um, and you know, Jesse Kerrison I think made a, a probably a bit of a poor decision to go on the right hand side of Ryan Christensen in the finish. And I sort of thought that Ryan wouldn't have as much punch in a sprint, uh, more of a hill climber. So just needed to come through that last corner nearly equal with him and I did that. So to take the win was, it was it was a good win to have. It always is nice to win, but you want to win the really tough stages. Um, and I've won a few of those now over the years in the NRS. I haven't won a lot of stages, but the ones that I've won have usually been those tougher ones. And yeah, I enjoy being able to put my name on the, on a roll on those days. Yeah, you celebrated pretty early at the finish there as well. I mean, there's still, I don't know, maybe... 40 metres to go at that stage, and uh, you were posting up and celebrating, and Jesse Kerrison was still coming from behind. But you, did you think, oh, I've got to keep on pedalling here <laughs> at one point? No, no, I didn't. Oh, I didn't expect to make the bloopers real. Um, but yeah, you sort of know your momentum and the distance, and I'd, I'd had a really good look at it the night before and, and the morning of. I knew once. I really thought anyone that could put out decent power comes into that corner first or second, they can't get beaten. Um, I actually thought you couldn't get beaten if you come through first, but that was proven wrong. So <laughs> I um, I definitely knew that Jesse wouldn't be able to pass me in that short period, uh, short distance, and I knew that I would never be able to pass him. So I had to be through that corner before him. Um, and knowing that he came through behind me, I knew I could post up pretty early. And uh, just take us into those dirt sections there. How how did they play out? I mean, it they they looked really tough from. What what I could see back in the cars, and obviously a lot of a lot of punctures, a lot of um, well, a few crashes, not so many, but it was it looked like really attritional racing out there. Yeah, look, it was pretty tough. Like the power numbers were pretty solid, which you expect. But um, as far as the actual condition of the the sections, I was really impressed. I didn't think it was too bad at all, and I thought that um, if you're a smart rider and look for the smoother sectors. Uh, sections of the sectors, then you're fine. But I found that a lot of people sort of just wanted to stick to the wheel. Um, I think if you watch the, you know, and I'm not comparing by any means Strata Nero stage to the Perry Bay, but you watch those cobbled classics, and the riders don't always ride on each other's wheel. They look for different sector parts that suit their type of rider. If you're a lighter rider, you don't want to be hitting the cobbles. If you're a heavier rider, maybe you can't. Um, so same thing, like if you're a lighter rider, you shouldn't be going in areas where there's corrugations. You're going to lose pressure on the pedals and, and therefore get dropped. And I think that's probably why I climbed the KOM of Strata Nero first, because I just rode a smarter climb. I was not necessarily the strongest climber there, nor the best um, rider for that hill. But it's breaking those parts down and just taking it little bit by little bit, maybe 300 metres at a time. and not getting too far ahead of yourself um, that was important there. And then the other sectors, look, the etiquette in the men's NRS race was uh, the best I've ever seen, you know, pointing out holes or, or divots. It wasn't really like a – it was a race, and everyone raced aggressively. I thought it was a great race, but I thought it was also just really impressive. I've never seen it in the men's NRS before where everyone was, con you know, in a in good spirit, a way of – in good sporting spirit, 
pointing out holes and things. They didn't want people to punch her and be dropped because of that. Um, I've never seen that in all the years that I've done. It's always been a pretty dog-eat-dog sort of competition, but I've definitely seen this year it's a lot more um, joyful in the punch and people are definitely happier seeing each other succeed, and I think that's fantastic for the sport in general. Yeah, well, great to see some professional courtesy of the peloton. Um, Joe, how did you find those the dirt sections and the gravel climb of the Straden era? Um, yeah, the gravel made it interesting. That first section, we mostly stayed together. I was surprised, actually, we didn't have too many punctures because I heard that there was probably a lot in the men's race um, and even with some of the other age groups that were um, competing on the day. Um when it came to the uh, dirt climb, I can't say I was up the front. I was at the back, <laughs> the very back, with a group of girls that were kind of struggling. Ruth was at the front kind of doing her own thing with um, one of my other teammates, Amy. Um, so, yeah, I was definitely in a world of pain, thinking I'd probably never get back to the front of the race. Um, so I, there's a section where I don't really know what happened at the front, um, but I managed to get with a group of girls we kind of caught groups as we went and ended up being about 12 of us and similar to what Pat said, once we kind of got together we we helped each other and pointed out the holes and made it a lot easier. Um, also with a note of what Pat said, you know, even following riders on on those dirt roads is not even always the best way to go because if you're following on someone's wheel and they're hitting the potholes and you're not creating your own line and can't actually see the road in front of you, that can be detrimental to your ride across those sections as well. So, um, yeah, we helped each other out, which was really good, and then managed to get back onto the group within the last 20Ks, and I kind of went to the front to try and help Ruth, and there was no breakaways, and we're all coming into the finish together. Um, from about 2Ks to go to 1K, I tried to do as much of the work as I could at the front, um, trying to hold off high five because I knew that Rebecca Wyzak was probably their pick for the sprinters and it was coming down to a sprinter's finish um, with a very, you know, that tight circuit coming into the um, the winery there. So, yeah, as it played out, Rebecca Wyzak managed to get the wind. But, um, yeah, my rider Ruth finished in the top five, so we were still in a pr pretty good position. And, yeah, the, the girls made a really good race of it. Yeah, um, I was in the high five team car for the women's and um, it was actually Kendall Hodges who was the chosen sprinter coming off her good form in the US uh, but she had to change bikes mid, uh, about 30 k's to go I think and she jumped on Beck Wyzak's bike and Beck's obviously a lot bigger than um, a lot bigger than Kendall so um, despite them dropping down the saddle for her I mean you know no probably no surprise that she wasn't able to quite put down the power the same so um, oh, she feels still finished Third? Over yeah. No, she was second. She was second, right? second. Yeah. Oh, second. Okay. She's yeah, doing right on, quite well then. On a yeah, right on Beck's wheel. So yeah, it was yeah. Um, one of those situations. Um, yeah, I mean the the final 25 k's of that stage wasn't the most inspiring riding I've ever seen. I mean the the girls riding into a headwind there, but you know if you if you can't attack, you can't attack. So. Yeah, well, people are tempted to. I think it's a very it was it was so much harder conditions than what it seemed and I think after the dirt I think so many people were so shocked with how tired it had made them um, and I kind of was thinking to myself I know in my event I was thinking well you know, I feel a little bit tired here but if I feel a little bit tired there's going to be plenty here feeling very tired so um, that gave me a lot of confidence the more tired I sort of feel I actually get more confidence because I know it's been a tough day but 
I think um, you mentioned um, Beck back in the peloton. I think that was great for the race. Um, and I think that you um, where she was off the back and then chasing back on, and that adds, uh, adds the interest to the race. I think that's great that um, it's split up and you've got a sprinter that people know that she's a quality rider, and if she gets back, she's going to win unless she makes a mistake. And I think that um, was great for the women's race. I think it added a little more interest, and I think that can only be a good thing. Yeah, okay. Um, coming into that final stage there um, with the Ryan's, uh, Ryan's climb in Tamnick's gap there, it was yeah, still still all to play for. Um, I think we'll do, we'll do the men's first because we just did the women's in stage three. Um, yeah, so Joe, Joe Cooper had a fairly, fairly um, solid lead with I think it was 25 seconds going into the day and all, all you had to do was essentially police police those top few riders and make sure that they didn't get any time. Um, was that how you guys at Avanti saw that going into the stage there, Pat? Oh, yeah, we know that my arch nemesis, Ben Hill, was going to uh, go for every KOM and every sprint, and he knew the same as well. So we suspected that we would probably go 1-2 in most of the intermediates, so um, there shouldn't be too much time bonus on offer. So Joe just had to stay safe, and we were still happy for Joe to even attempt a solo win move at some point if he wanted to. I think that's important that um, even though he's leading the tour, if he has the good legs then he should be um, have the opportunity to use them so that was still an option as well. But um, Mobius uh, wanted to set a very strong tempo into the bottom of the climb. Um, I know that circuit very well because I did a race there, a club race there last year with Wangaratta and I knew that it was a bit further into the climb than what they did. They rode quite hard into the base, and then there was three or four riders um, that set off in um, at the base of the climb. The young Jesse Fettenby, Fettenby, he 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 hit the climb so hard, and I was uh, very surprised. I thought this is going to be a tough climb, and it was. It was just full gas up uh, Ryan's Gap from bottom to top. We sprinted out Ben Hill and I, and he nudged me um, for the first place over the comp, and I was think maybe 12 or 14 of us left at that stage. Um, and then, yeah, the, the tone was kind of set for the rest of the day that on the comms it would be pretty hard and in the rest of the circuit we'd control it. Um, it did that. Split over the last climb, I told Joe that it was a good opportunity to go. He went, he won that KOM solo and then went over the other side, tried to stay away. A small group of us brought him back and then I just told the guys... Um, we had five guys in the front, and I told the three others to just ride it all the way to the finish. I said, try and make it as hard as we can. Um, if the sprinters come back, we need them tired because, um, you know, we don't have a, a, a straight-out sprinter. Um, and so we did, but Scott Law got back, and so did Jesse Kerrison. Um, and, um, yeah, and Swiss did a, a pretty good lead-out, and so did State of Matter. They tried their best in the lead-out as well, but... And Swiss come over the top, and I followed uh, Jesse, and then hit on the outside to try and get past Scott Law, but just got a handlebars to handlebars, and then it was a little bit dicey. Had to back out because it was either going to be both of us go down, or um, or back out and run second. So I wasn't quite uh, quick enough to get around him, so I just had to accept second place for the day. Yeah, and uh, Scott Law had the inside line on that final corner there, and he just went as hard as he could through it. Um, so I think you'd have been you know, hard-pressed to go around the outside there, I mean, and not be put into the barriers. Yeah, I sort of thought if I gave, I needed to make one decision, get in there in front of him, 
I'll give him enough room so if he crashed, I didn't hit him. <laughs> so um, he held it up. He won easily. I finished second, and um, yeah, Jesse Kerrison in third. Yeah, and with that, uh, Joe Cooper won the won the overall, and who was in second? Alex Porter was in second there. Good ride for, from the youngster. It's good to see him up there. And Ben Hill with a bunch of time bonuses on the KOMs and battling it out with you on them. Um, actually, Lee Frog has went into third, and yeah, maybe it'll challenge Joe. Oh, I mean, he he rode the the first TT without a disc on his disc um, wheel on his back on his back wheel, unlike you know pretty much the rest of the peloton. So I don't know. Maybe it'd have challenged a bit more, but if it was challenging, you guys would have diff- run different tactics, wouldn't you? So yeah. Yeah, what? but I, I don't like to take anything away from Ben. I don't think a disc wheel makes a difference for him. I don't think he goes quicker with good equipment or bad equipment. I think he's just a gutsy rider, and he just goes one pace, full gas. Um, I've never ridden on his team, um, which is, is I, I kind of wish I had of at some point, but he's a fierce competitor, and I just love racing against him. So um, I don't think you'll ever find Ben Hill leaving anything on the road. So um, he deserves third place and, and um, a podium because he rode one of the better races of the weekend. Yep, and yeah, in the women's, really interesting race there. I mean, you had to have your abacus out uh, for the all the time bonuses and the changes of lead going on on the road. Um, Joe, take, take us through what happened out there because it, yeah. it was pretty well, eventful the, stuff. The, yeah, from, the, from first to third place, there wasn't really much time on GC. I think there was three girls tied at third, including Ruth, so... From a team point of view, we were really hoping that she'd get some time bonuses on the sprints and KOMs, and we were trying to assist her in doing that. Um, over the first climb, yeah, it got strung out, and I was actually at the back. Um, but Ruth managed to get the first that first time bonus over that first KOM, and Lizen actually ended up in the ditch somehow. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but she had a bit of a mishap and was... As we were cresting over the hill, we could kind of see her and her teammate, um, Miranda Griffith, managed to to ride her back into the front group. Um, and coming in around that next circuit, we were all back together and, yeah, continued to, every time we went over the climb, continued to string out the peloton and, and groups would kind of segregate. There was maybe two or three groups. And um, I think the last time... Up around the climb, it was quite decisive. There was a group of about six or eight girls away, and Leeson actually wasn't in that group. Um, and the front group actually had about 30 seconds, so effectively she was out of the lead at that stage. Um, but her teammates again did a really good job and managed to get her up at that to that front group. Um, then attacks started happening, and a couple of girls got away coming into the finish, but they pulled them back for a yeah, reduced bunch sprint um, where one of the actual guest riders first, that specialised um, team, managed to, to get the win, who's previously been an Olympian in a different sport, actually, I believe. Um, at that stage, I was back with Kendall, who I think had changed bikes with Rebecca Wysak again going over the climb. Um, and so, yeah, there's a small group of us about a couple of minutes back um, chasing that front group. But yeah, again, it was a really interesting race, and it it could have it could have the um, end result definitely could have finished in a different different way if Lisa hadn't got back onto that front group. So yeah, again, another exciting race, and it was really good to see the team tactics playing out for everyone and everyone putting in a really big effort. 
well, it wasn't just getting back onto the front group. It was the final sprint. It came down to the final sprint uh, between her and Ruth because they were equal on time going mm. into that um, final dash to the line. And it was only the fact that she finished third um, ahead of Ruth and fourth that ended up um, securing the win for her by, I think it was just two seconds um, in the overall GC. So, yeah, yeah. exciting stuff. <laughs> and, yeah, it was just one of those up-and-down days all day. I mean, that first climb... Um, that you mentioned, Leeson, um, ending up in the ditch. Yeah, she she said afterwards that somebody went across her front wheel and um, took took out one of her spokes, and she had to get a, cha- uh, a a bike change with or a wheel change with Miranda Griffiths, who then paced her back on, as you as you said. So it was certainly dramatic stuff out there, and um, yeah, it was interesting with the time bonuses. What 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 were your guys' take on that? I mean, they it certainly it's only a different way of racing the race. I mean, you you really do have the, that interesting point of sprinting for those time bonuses, but does that artificially change the race in terms of the overall flow for the stage? I mean, I think we, what we saw a lot in the, particularly in the women's, were the sprint for the um, the sprint for the KOM or the QOM or the sprint point, and then after that they would sit up and wait for the rest of the peloton to catch up, and that happened maybe two or three times over the stage. I think that you need these time bases in Australian racing because you've got young people racing as well and sometimes it's difficult to learn race structure and I think it teaches them that you know maybe if these teams are going for these intermediate time bases then after those intermediate time bases is the time to sort of have a bit of a go. Like if I was one of the lesser riders and when I say lesser I mean you know they haven't had the experience. I don't mean in talent because generally a lot of these young boys and girls that are racing in the NRS are actually probably more talented than the older riders um, and more experienced riders. But that's the time to have a go, you know. Um, mm. Try and take the race on. I think that was the great thing about John Craven's racing years ago is that you'd sprint every, and we still do one of any year at the Great South Coast, you sprint in the crits every second lap. It gives you no chance to, to make a mistake. It always makes you learn to survive and, and how to... Um, learn the the rate of attrition and how to also when you're under the pump and in trouble to fight hard and that's what makes great riders and great athletes and it also tells a person pretty quickly whether they're made out for this sport at that level. Um, So I think the more bonuses the better. It's not to say that it's enjoyable because you get in pain and it hurts and everything else and okay some people can't sprint takes them out of the race they've got to do different things but it definitely puts uh, the talented athletes to the top. Um, and I think that's what NRS is about. It's about developing young talent and, and trying to nurture that in a way that can build up at home so they're not away from their families at a young age, but then they can go overseas and they're prepared. So I'm all for the more sprints and the more KOMs, the better. Yeah, I think I think the bonuses are really good. Yeah. I've always been one of those riders where I've always gone out and tried to attack and attack and attack until something kind of happens and I'm I'm not very patient. So I've made a lot of mistakes but I've also had success and, and wins that way. One of the first NRS tours I won was because of a breakaway and I was a minute 30 down after the first stage but I thought I'll have a go. And so, you know, I'd really love women to to get behind that and, and to try and have a go, especially if you're, in a, you're not you're without a team and you're an individual rider, that's how you get noticed. So I think, yeah, people like Pat said can take advantage of those situations and those hard racing um, tactics and, 
and get in there and have a go. And it does change the format of racing as well. So sometimes it can play into team tactics, but really I think you need to have a gamble and and get in there and do it. What the what were the takeaways from the race for you guys? I mean, inside being inside the peloton, who who were you who were you most impressed by out of that race? Uh, Pat, we'll go to you. Yeah, I think there was a severe improvement by Mobius cycling team. Um, they were really good. Um, and again, I think probably, you know, obviously I didn't see every rider, but of the riders that are in the front of the race and racing it at the end and even in the front of the, the echelon when we're riding the front, the etiquette and the respect for one another, regardless of team colleges, regardless of what experience they had, it really impressed me, and it's impressed me even to a great south coast. It was, it was really good as well. So um, my impressions are, first thing, the NRS is improving professionally, even if the athletes aren't professionals yet. Um, at least they're doing the things that are respectful and the things that matter, worrying about each other's safety, and I think that is the big reason why big crashes have happened in the past is a lack of respect for one another's safety. So... That was a big tick for me. Mobius as a team, well done. They're really doing the right thing. And that just shows you, if you come together as a group, you will succeed as well. So they've been doing greater things. Alex Porter, young athlete, really good kid. Um, well, he's got a, an NRS podium in a tour now. That's got to bode well for his future. Um, yeah, I think outside of that, probably the last one's the, the organisers um, and sponsors of the event. You know, without their great support, the sponsors of the event wouldn't be on. But also, it takes a lot of guts to run an event like it, and they did it, and they did it successfully. Yeah, and they've got something unique there um, with the with the Strata Nero and the dirt there, which I think they can use to advertise in the future and really, hopefully, build up a, a following within the cycling community and you know really make it a, a landmark um, fixture on the calendar. Um, Joe, what were your takeaways from the rest? Um, yeah, I think Leeson proved that she's a real contender for the NRS. Um, yeah, I know that she's been an up-and-coming rider in the last couple of years, having not that much experience. I think she was racing B-grade crit level, um, you know, only 12 months ago and I actually went to the Alfred for, for work today and um, was talking to one of the doctors and they said to me, oh, do you know Leeson? So she's an anaesthetist at the Alfred and she was doing night shift on Saturday. So she's definitely um, still got a full-time job and still working hard and managing to um, be at the top of Australian RS racing. So so credit to her for, for having a go and sticking to it. Um, I think there's a lot of talent coming out of Queensland. Um, Lucy and there was another young rider that finished second on that last stage that she impressed me as well. So I think... Yeah, Queensland is definitely a state to watch. Um, obviously, they're doing a fair bit for development and encouraging the girls there. So, yeah, I think every year there's new names that crop up and people that are they're really kind of mixing it up at the top. So it's exciting to see and hopefully it continues. Yeah, I think that was uh, Jessica Pratt you were referencing there yes. coming second yes. on the final stage. Yeah, she's yeah. she's. Um, She's a very she's very small, but she's got a lot of power in her for um for somebody so small. And uh, another one, Jamie Gunning. She had a she had a tough tour. Um, she's another Queenslander. Um, she was in the Young Riders jersey initially after a good TT, but um, crashes after that, and she just kept on plugging away there and did manage to come into the into the uh, race finish and finish off the race. So good on her. 
Uh, I don't think there's anything too much more, so we'll just uh, go on to the next races, uh, Tour of Gippsland and Amy's Tour. Okay, and we're back. Um, Pat, you, you're at the Tour of Gippsland already. You're entrenched with uh, Pat, La- uh, Pat Lane in your room. Uh, how's that? How's that going so far? <laughs> Hi, Pat and Pat. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, you know, we always travel the two days before the event. Um, tomorrow we'll do our next day of procedure. We follow a pretty um, standard protocol when we prepare for an event, and I think that's what also helps us um, be successful too. As we all know, the plan basically two days out from a tour all the way to the end of the tour. So our tour sort of starts Monday. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to this week. Obviously, we go from the Tour of Great South Coast, which was a John Craven um, event with its protocol, and now we've gone to the Tour of King Valley, which has time bonuses different to now this race, which has different time bonuses as well. Um, I think time bonuses will be probably pretty crucial in the event, but at some point there'll be a big split that happens and it'll just be about who represents in that to, to fight out this next tour. Yeah, and um, particularly that stage from, um, what is it, Wanthangi to Inverloch there, the mm. one where it goes over multiple um, climbs of the appropriately yeah, misery. Mount Misery. Yeah. Uh, how do you think, mm. well, I mean, how's that going to unfold? Yeah, look, I've raced on all these roads in previous years, not always as long as these stages, but I have done them all. And, you know, they're all hard days, um, okay, except for the crit on the first day. I think that's pretty simple. It's flat and it's a criterion. But the rest of the week, it's pretty solid terrain. And um, it'll all come down to how many riders have done how many of these NRS events in the last sort of 20 days. And if they're tired, and we might see some new names pop up because they might be coming in fresh. Um, but ultimately, I think um, through Gippsland is usually won by a group, and then time bonuses sort of separate that group overall in the end. I think that'll happen again. It's tough terrain. There'll be a split at some point, and it'll depend on who represents there to how the race will be ran. Yeah, it was um, Tim Rowe who won back in the 2014 edition, with um, with the 2015 edition being postponed and uh well optimistically postponed but yeah it turns out it's on actually back in 2016 so yeah um that that probably indicates the sort of rider who can who can win a, a race like this would you say i mean um the climb me type who can get over the top and still and still contest those um those sort of uh those sort of sprints and maybe yeah well he won it in an interesting fashion actually he got away in a breakaway on that final crit which can happen that final criterium circuit's very difficult and they succeeded uh raf Frenstein actually led the tour going into that final stage and led it by i think uh, a decent margin where he could have won the race but his team tried to ride the front of that criterium and it's very difficult from the get-go and um, basically after about eight laps not even halfway there was only raf left um, and so that breakaway stayed away, succeeded, and Tim Rowe won. So I think actually Tim Rowe's probably a rare person to win the Tour of Gippsland because he's more of a climber, even though he's punchy, um, but more of a guy like Nathan Hass has won it in the past, you know, um, Lee Howard's won it in the past. I think, you know, your more sprinter type's going to win. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we'll leave it there for 
for Gippsland, and we'll go to Amy's, which is the uh, Amy's Otway Tour, I believe it's called, which is the next race the women are going to be lining up for in the NRS. Um, Joe, it's a uh, it's an interest it's an interesting race being run alongside the the Grand Fondo there, which is of course famous for representing um, the memory of Amy Gillett with the with um, Amy's Foundation there, um, and I think that's important to mention as well. And um, Ride for Amy is obviously a a big um, big cause that most of the cycling community is behind. Um, what what what's the character of the race in your from your perspective there? Um, yeah, having been a recipient of the Amy Gillett Foundation scholarship, you know, I wouldn't have been able to to have my riding career if it wasn't for Amy. So I'm forever grateful for the for the cause that um, and the legacy that she's left behind, particularly with her parents and the Amy Gillett Foundation and carrying out road safety. And hopefully, people take that on board when they're doing the Grand Fondo. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting weekend. I've never actually done this race before either. Uh, for the women, I believe it's a criterium on the Saturday and then a road race on the Sunday. And I actually think that the course has changed. Previously, they've had it. It's actually going to be a reverse course of what they've done in the past. Um, so I, I've trained out there in the Ways and Lawn and um, Apollo Bay with the VIS when I was back training with them and it's quite a hilly circuit so I'm expecting quite a, a difficult race um, and yeah I'm sure the likes of Leeson and some of the really good climbers that were showing themselves at um, King Valley will be out in force for this race as well. Um, the Criterion could play make a bit of a different race at the beginning of the tour um, with more your sprinter types in that Criterion kind of situation so yeah it's, I think it's definitely going to be a dynamic race and um, and hopefully a really great weekend, and hopefully Melbourne can put on some really good weather. Yeah, the the criterium last time actually ended up being decisive, um, with Georgia Baker winning there and then going on to finish. I think it was third in the in the second stage, the road stage, to take out the win overall. Um, that was despite Kate Perry attacking on that second stage and winning by over a minute and a half. So. Um, you can see that the criterion can be quite decisive there with the with the weather with the way it was raced. Um, it, there were multiple riders at the back, and I think it was only about 15 strong peloton that that contested the bunch uh, the bunch finish there. So, you know, you've got to be attentive at all times in racing, as well. It's cycling isn't. I mean, you've always got to be attentive, but yes, particularly in in these in these cases. Um, yeah, what do you hope? What are you? What are your personal ambitions for this tour? I mean, are you just going there to to help Ruth, or what's the what's the plan? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think my role on the team's been this year to to help Ruth. You know, she's very motivated and and really wants to try and take out their NRS series again this year. So, whatever I can kind of do to help her and achieve that goal, and us ride together really well as a team, um, the Rush Women Cycling Team. So. Yeah, I think that's going to be the objective for the weekend um, and just see how it plays out. I think it's yeah, it's really going to be a tactic, tactical race with the likes of High Five and um, Specialised being there. So, yeah, I think everyone should be gearing up for an exciting weekend. What, what else has caught your eye from the world of cycling? I mean, I'll, I'll preempt Pat here by saying the Tour uh, della Avenir, Tour of the Future, has been um, a, a race that I think every Australian cycling fan has been following quite closely, and it's great to see the Aussies do really well there. Um, who, so it was 
Jai Henley, who finished fifth overall, Michael Storer seventh overall, and Lucas Hamilton came back from a uh, a bad illness um, early on in the race where he lost about 20 minutes, I think, on one of the stages and was in a bad way. And then he came back and finished second on the final stage, took the mountains jersey. And Nicholas Schultz won the stage. So, you know, there's plenty plenty of great great results from the young Aussies there. Um, Pat, you you watched the – you saw the action. Um, how did you read that? I mean – there's not so much more to say, I suppose. No, I think that um, it was fantastic. I think we sort of preempted that they would perform well from the events that came up in Italy in those one days that they had been doing. But I think it just um, the biggest thing for me is that Michael Storr is now becoming a real bike rider in all senses. He physically looks like a bike rider now, I must admit. Like, he's so talented, but previously he's looked like I don't know, he doesn't look like a bike rider, but now he's, he's very much a bike rider and he, he's going to be an exceptional rider, there's no doubt. Um, he is one of the toughest young men that I've raced in in recent times, so I look forward to following his progress going forward as well. But um, Jai Hindley's climbing has just gone out of control. He has always been very talented, but I didn't know he could climb so well. Um, and congratulations to the whole outfit because they're the first um, Australian team in the history of the Tour de l'Avenir to win the team's classification. So, um, yeah, I think it was fantastic. And it's always, uh, I think it's just nearly just as important for those guys to be doing well as our professional riders to spur on the young talent back here in Australia. Yep, full, fully behind all of that. Um, Joe, were, were there any results overseas or anything about in cycling that you wanted to bring up? Um, yeah, I think I, for the women's race, I was paying quite um, close attention to the last World Cup of, or second last World Cup of um, the UCI events for women is the Plouwe, um, which I was racing this time last year. Um, yeah, the Australian, obviously there was a few Australians racing, um, particularly with Green Edge um, there, and yeah, there was obviously a decisive split in that last section of the race, and we had the likes of Katrin Garfoot and uh, Spratty Racing in that front group. So, yeah, I think there was a really good breakaway towards the end and, and Katrin was there and there was about four riders, but they unfortunately got brought back coming into the finish. So, yeah, there was a good showing there and you've got Janelle Cooks um, racing over with the Green Edge team and getting some really good experience as well. So, yeah, it's, it's positive on that front. Um, Tiff Cromwell put in a good showing again as she has throughout the year racing um, with Canyon Tram. So, yeah, I'm still kind of paying close attention to what goes on overseas with the women's peloton, so it's exciting. Good to see good to see Kat's back um, after disappointment with illness and what have you over in Rio. So, you know, the bet, the if she can come come through with maybe a strong performance in the World Championships um, time trial, that would be great for Australian cycling and for her, I think. After, yeah, you know, I think we're really going to have a really big, a great showing at the World Championships. You know, Chloe Hosking, she could be world champion in the next few months. You know, she had a really good result um, and really boosted her confidence on the Champs-Élysées, this last stage at um, La Course. So I think we can really earmark her as having a, a really successful World Championships. And I'm sure she's going to be supported by a really strong Australian team with the likes of... Um, Gracie and Tiff going over there to support her. I'm not sure who else Marv's got on the cards to, to represent, but it's definitely going to be a great event. Yeah, well, Australia's blessed with strong sprinters in the female ranks, so 
there's plenty plenty of people who could fill out a lead out train or possibly sprint from a, a reduced group if it ends up in a, a late attack going. So, yep, definitely one to watch. Um, yeah, well, I think we'll finish up the podcast there. Thanks, thanks for joining us, Joe and Pat. Um, always, always great to have you on, Pat. Thanks very much, and um, now on to Tour of Gippsland. Yeah, good luck, Pat. Thanks. Yeah, best, of, best of luck there, and thanks, thanks, Joe, for joining us. Um, good to, no good to have you on. Yeah, as always, you can join us um, on Twitter uh, by following Breakdown Pod on Twitter, or follow the Breakdown Podcast on Facebook. So feel free to hit us up on social media, ask some questions, whatever you want to do, and promote us to all your friends because. Um, that's the way you grow podcasts anyway that'll do us for this week Um, see you out of the racing hopefully okay bye